welcome back to another episode of Fair the Inkwell. So we're going to talk a little bit about meta today, like the writing process and all that, because I was watching a YouTube channel called The Critical Drinker, and he was tearing into Thor Love and Thunder. And he was contrasting the two scenes from Ragnarok and Love, Love and Thunder where they're doing the parody play. And he said, like, he was giving the why the one scene works well and the other scene is just ridiculous. And so part of what he was talking about and really gave me pause because I think this uh, affects a lot of writing too, is he says a scene, in order for a scene to be a successful scene, it has to either advance the plot, show character development or world building. And so when he put forth those three ideas, I got to thinking about it. I'm like, you know, when you're writing a book, that's all you're doing is you're doing one of those three things. Like no matter what the context of what you're writing about, you are attempting to further the knowledge in one of those three fields. And so I think he had a really good point that not only applies to movies, but can apply to your writing as well. And so I was kind of thinking like, that's kind of a realization that I didn't necessarily have. You know, I don't know if they teach that in other creative writing classes or not because I've never been through a lot of creative writing writing classes but it got me thinking about my own work too and like I think part of the reason I have been stuck with the work I'm working on is because I am not working to advance one of those three sections with where I am stuck at like I'm stuck in the minutia of the world building and I don't have that sorted out well enough in order for the characters to make any progress to the next point in the story or the next scene. Like I have all these other ideas for what's going to happen afterwards, but at this current point that I'm in, I don't know how to get the characters from point A to point B without it being a jarring cut in the continuity of the, you know, of the book. So I was thinking about if I can further either the character development, which is what would be happening at this particular point that I'm stuck at because the world and, and possibly the world building as well. And, and the, the guy also brought up the point that really good writing will touch on all three of those in the same go. Like it's never just focused in one area. And I think he was really like quite accurate. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I I was kind of thinking, getting your thoughts on those, that concept. I think that Hemingway actually, uh, He's, he has a lot of, of information out there about his process, or he did, you know, and, uh, and, and about writing and his stuff. And that really strikes me as something that, that Hemingway talked about also is that, you know, like when you, when you go to edit, because uh, you can write a lot of stuff. You can, you can put a lot of stuff on the page, and then when you go back to edit that draft and, and stuff, be extremely brutal with yourself and cut out anything that doesn't advance the story. Exactly. You know, like it's every single thing you have to do has to be moving the story forward. Right. Um, and that strikes me as being something similar, you know, to that is, is like always, always be, be extremely brutal. I think probably when you're first writing your draft, let yourself go a little bit, you right. know? And I mean, you try to stay on, on tap, on focus and everything else, but cause you never know where some of those things that you write that you may edit out later, maybe a tangent that sparks an idea to come up with something really cool for another part of the book right. later on. Um, but then when you do go back and you're editing your stuff, probably that's when to be like extremely brutal and say, 
I love this. I love this dialogue I wrote. Right. This dialogue is amazing. This is the best dialogue I ever wrote in my life, but it doesn't advance. It serves no purpose. Exactly, the plot. And, and so you have to cut it, you know, and – but that that reminds me of that. Like I think I don't remember what the author's name was, but somebody else said that. They, I remember the quote was, "You have to murder your darlings." <laughs> that's that was the quote, and uh, I don't remember what the author's name was who said that. But uh, he he was he was constantly talking about the editing process being mm-hmm. the most important process in the writing process, and that he would he would write entire scenes that he just fell in love with, or characters that he fell in love with that right. were actually useless. It's right. so. And that, that does like, that does bring up a good point, a good or an interesting idea that like, well, so what is like, what is servicing the plot? Like, and mm-hmm. is that the only thing? Because if it's like, if you said, if you have this gorgeous piece of dialogue between two characters, but it's not servicing the plot, could it fall into that category of character development where mm-hmm. it's actually quite necessary for these characters to have that dialogue so that you get an idea of of who the character is that's, that's going through. And then, and then that way, like, but yeah, like, but you do have to be brutally honest with yourself and say, Mm -hmm. like, am I just screwing around? (laughs) (laughs) Am I just, or does this, does this actually work within the context that I have created? Yeah. (laughs) Am I just screwing around? Well, you know, I, I think there's a, I think that probably asking yourself just, why? Like, you know, like we've got the who, what, where, and where, and why uh, questions in English, but asking yourself, like, is this dialogue filling in backstory? Is it, is it foreshadowing for something to come? Uh, because right. those are things that are at, are allowable, you know, right. or is it, if on the other side of that teeter totter, does it, does it drag the action down and ultimately uh, is unimportant to the story itself? Right. Then no matter how cool it is, Maybe just like take that out, put it in your back pocket for another story at another time, you know. But um, yeah, I, you can write the best thing that you've ever written before and it not have anything to do with your story. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Well, and actually, so this is another topic I wanted to touch touch mm-hmm. on. And probably I was going to bring it up in one of our previous uh, episodes, but I wanted to talk about writer's block. And I think mm. that we're approaching the point at which writer block writer's block injects itself. Because if you don't, if you're just writing frivolously because you have this idea that you need to get your characters somewhere, but you don't know how mm-hmm. you're going to do that. You don't know why they're going there. Then you are going to stumble and just be in this ether. Like you're not going to create any good content because you don't have a solid idea. I think actual writer's block when you sit down and stare at a blank page just means that you don't have the details like in your mind well enough. And if you stare at that blank page and you're like, I need to be doing something. Well, go back and analyze the threads that brought you to that point in the story and then say, what, what do I need in order to keep going? So if it's like, Oh, I'm missing detail about the environment. Like these characters are in a coffee shop and the coffee shop is important for some reason uh, because maybe one of the other characters is trying to poison one of them. Well, the coffee shop environment itself will tell you how they're going to poison them. Like, do they slip it in when the barista is preparing the drink or do they 
you know, do they inject themselves in and say, Hey, I want to steam that. I want to learn how to steam milk. And like, <laughs> while they're doing that, they you know, slip like, so I think the environment will give you the details to help advance the plot. And then two, like also character traits would ha- give you the details. If you don't know then but your character ha- behaves in a certain manner. It's like, Oh, this character has a facial tick that is a tell for poker games and they're in a poker game and then he has this facial tick go off and it's going to cause a fight because he's lying or something like that. Like, so that brings you to the next point. And then you use the environment because the fight happens in the environment. You use some witty dialogue exchange while they're fighting or maybe you don't, I don't know. Like um, maybe the fight is just one, two punch and it's over with, or it just depends on the, the tone of the piece. But I think writer's block is just a lack of detail that mm-hmm you don't, you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't like, if you're stuck at that phase where you're telling yourself, I have to get something done, then you're going to get into that loop of staring at the page and being annoyed with yourself and saying, I have to get something I done, but I don't have any ideas I need to get. But if you just sit back, you don't have to edit everything you've written previously. But if you look at where they are, where they're going, and, and the setup for everything, it will help you overcome that writer's block. Because I think, I really do believe that the writer's block is just a lack of minutia. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I thought this was you that talked to me, that told me about this. I can't remember, but somebody, I thought it was you. So if it was you, I apologize for stepping <laughs> on your toes. And, but, um, but also, I would say that when you're in the process of writing, and if you have a lot of steam built up, and you have a lot of excitement... And you hit that stumbling point, it is perfectly acceptable. I could have swore you taught you were the one. Anyway, <laughs> perfectly acceptable for you to put in a statement in your draft in big bold letters with it's highlighted and say a fight happens here, <laughs> and I, you don't have any idea what that fight is about or anything else yet. But then you can move on to the results of that fight right. that are in your head and go ahead and fill that in and come back and write that fight in later. You know, like so if you hit writer's block. In, in a situation like that, keep you just going. skip over that bump yeah. in the road and keep going is keep going with that steam that you've got, you know, and, and, and really just put all it all in until you're worn out for the day. Right. Because when you come back in a day or two and look at that draft again, you'd be like, I know what that fight starts now because right. you already wrote all right. this other stuff. So yeah, you know. you'll, it'll come to you naturally. Well, and I, I also find another, like, and I, that was absolutely not me. I, I, I totally no thought it was you. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with this. And um, I was like, he's going to say the thing. And I'm like, you didn't say the thing. He said something else. So I'm going to say the thing. <laughs> you can attribute it to me. I yeah. will take credit. For, no, no I, that was not me. Anyway. Um, so, uh, crap. I just lost my chain of thought. Another, <laughs> another thought about writer's block that has helped me a lot. And it's, it, I've been in a, a kind of a lucky position where I have a friend that I have been talking to over lunch for like years now. And uh, he will listen to my ideas and he, as a, an active listener, he will respond. And usually just by the act of talking to him and describing where I'm at in my work, I will have whole galaxy of other ideas come into my head and that will give me the motivation and the impetus to keep going and to be like, Oh, I'm at this point and I know exactly what needs to happen now because I was sussing it out with my friend. And so I think that you cannot stress the importance of having somebody that will listen to you and be able to discuss an idea with you without 
fear of judgment mm. or fear that they're going to steal your ideas. So mm -hmm. that's, that's incredibly helpful if you can find somebody like that and hold them near and dear. And mm. then also don't bother them all the time with what you're doing because they'll get tired of it too. Yeah. And I would agree with all that and only add to that. It's probably important to have somebody who's honest if your idea is crap. Right. Like you don't want somebody who's, who's going to trash your stuff all the time and always just point out flaws. But if your idea is truly exciting to you and just sounds like total garbage to someone else, then you should hear that from a trusted Absolutely. source. And yeah. So oh, dude, yeah, that's, that's actually invaluable, man, is to have somebody in your life like that, that you can, you can bounce you can those just, ideas off of. Yeah. And just really have them listen without trying to co-opt your story and make it their own. Yeah, or shoehorn your shoehorn your story into something else that they're right. familiar with, you or know? inject their ideas for your characters. Oh, yeah, like and say, "Oh, that's cool," but you know what you should really do with that guy? Wouldn't it be cool if there's an explosion and some dynamite and some blah 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 and, and somehow know, a superpowers? Is involved, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, which does seem to be how movies are made today when people just start throwing... Yeah, just put a lightsaber, in. flashy sound effects, yeah. and, you know, that's that's good. <laughs> we'll call it a movie. It doesn't have to have plot or character <laughs> development. Like, <laughs> modern audiences don't get that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep the action rolling, man. Just the right. action rolling. I mean, right. You know, I'm a huge superhero nut, and obviously I've got a massive comic book collection, and been. I watch every comic book movie that comes out, but I got to tell you that sometimes that's all that they're doing in those comic book movies, man. Is it's a just, slog. Yeah. They're just continuing to push action, action, action. And you know, like you feel like, okay, where is the character right. development here? Well, you gave me a few lines of it, but where is the rest, you know? Yeah, and the glitz and the glamor of all the special effects that are at their disposal. Now it's just like, yeah. Yeah, you can make this person look like they're in space on, you know, Saturn's moon of whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they're fighting Goku on, you know, like, <laughs> so what? Like, yeah. why does that matter? Like, how did the kid, like, you know, what's important to the audience that the audience doesn't realize is how did the characters get there? Why are they fighting? Like, the setting is important because it, it informs the fight. But the fight is not necessarily the important part of that. Mm -hmm. Like, and, it's all of the lead up to it. And do they have, like, an internal struggle about what's happening that, right. you know, you're not talking about? Because they all seem very linear and kind of two-dimensional in a way, right. you know? Like, like, honestly, I'm craving characters who are in those kinds of settings that are very complex. And, well, you know... That, that brings up the idea of the foil character. Mm -hmm. um, the one that's there merely as a reflection of the main character to sit there and question the main character's motives and to be a, like, they're there to give depth to all of the other characters. Mm -hmm. And I think those, that type of character is invaluable and we just don't realize it because they always see come across as like the snarky sidekick or the, you know, like mm -hmm. they're forgettable, but they their role is so important. Like, I will say this, like, I don't know if you've seen the movie or not, but Black Panther is probably one of my favorite comic oh, yes. movies because they had the bad guy, Killmonger, is truly a bad guy, truly a villain, truly an evil, but evil for all the best reasons, you know? His reason for why he was the way he was was the best, was the, it was the best well-written character, I think, of any Marvel movie before or since, to be honest, like... 
I came out of that movie thinking I could have completely sided with him on his arguments. Uh, and, and the reason he was a villain uh, made total sense to me. Like I, I could understand it. Whereas uh, some people are so two dimensional. It's just pure greed. They're after money. They're, right. you know, they, you know, like they don't have any, uh, there's no depth to their, exactly. Evil. So, uh, you know, and I think that getting back to what we were talking about with writing our stuff in stories, like, it's important to have plot and it's important to have a story and it's important, but it's also important to have characters right. that have some type of internal struggle that they're working through, you know, and, and because that's how you suck in the reader, the right. reader thinking, what would I do in that yeah, situation? That's the relatable you know? aspect of it. Yeah. Well, and then it's also important to put that character through a journey rather than just like, you know, ah, Harry Potter is born and now he's fighting Voldemort. <laughs> It's just yeah. like, well, what? Yeah. Like, where's the where's the intervening, all the crap in between? It's like, mm. you know, yes. <laughs> anyway. Right. I think that was a good uh, discussion of the meta instead, rather than a pitch. So. Yeah, this was a good this was a good episode. I like this. This is a, We should do this more often. If any of you out there have any uh, thoughts about what we talk about, please uh, don't hesitate to get in touch. And we'll, uh, we'll hopefully, you know. We'd like to hear from you. <laughs> we'll see you again. Thanks a lot. This has been Fair the Inkwell. I'm Jim. Dustin. And we'll see you next time.